to Helpful Social Work. Social work has the power to change people's lives for the better. This podcast aims to help you learn, think and act with integrity so that people who need social work get help that will transform their lives. Welcome to Series 6 of Helpful Social Work. I'm Jerry, And I'm Jo. And Jerry and I are recording Series 6 during 2021-22. Series 6, Jerry. I think that's amazing. It really is. Um, yeah. <laughs> And this series, we're going to be looking at equality and anti-oppressive practice. Um, we're going to be using the Equality Act in England as a framework. And what that means is that each month we'll look at the evidence of inequality relating to one of the protected characteristics, for example, age, and we'll consider how social workers can challenge discrimination and uphold rights. We'll start off revisiting the ethics and the social work role around fighting discrimination and the theories that can support this. You can find all of our previous podcasts from series one to five at www.helpfulsocialwork.com. And um, Jerry's written this here, so I think it must be true, but it makes me laugh. We've had around 92,000 downloads, more than 4,000 each month at the moment. And it's actually 94,000 now, Joe, because I wrote that a couple of weeks ago. So. And so can I just say, wow, and thank you. Um, I'm really, really glad that we ha we're in a position, and I'm blown away that we're in a position where people actually listen to some of the things that Jerry and I get to talk about. So we hope you do enjoy the podcast. Please let us know what you think by visiting our website or by commenting on iTunes or our Facebook page, Helpful Social Work Podcast, or on Twitter. Um, that's to Jerry at Effective Prac or Joe at, at Joe Fox. I actually do have an at Strengthening Practice one, Jerry. I just don't ever work out how to use it. Anyway, <laughs> so we've recently had some really nice messages from people. So from Lindsay, who's um, a Master of Social Work and um, works in America, who's going for an exam in July, um, which is oh, about um, working around coaching techniques to deliver services to clients um, around re recovery. And so she's highlighted um, the importance about um, making sure that there's different pathways to recovery and helping people find their, their journey. Uh, so it's really nice to hear from her and good luck in that exam. And we also heard from Jax, who qualified in 1999, which is about the same time as me, and said that she finds the con discussion and content immensely interesting. And if that had been around when she was first qualified, she would have been so happy. Thank you, Jax. What a, what a nice thing to say. Um, 1999, you have to scroll a fair way back now to get to that, don't you? You know, when, you, when you're doing your date things. Yeah, and it's great so, to hear from people who, who've been in social work and stayed in social work for that long. Um, we've yeah. had a lot of people who've liked us recently on Facebook, which is lovely. Um, I don't check into Facebook often enough to kind of acknowledge everyone, but just here's a few names um, recently. Nicola, Kyla, Jody, Yasmin, Sarah, Emma, Helen, Amanda, Alda, Dee, my Laura, Warren and Liz. So thank you. Thank you very much. And we have this really wonderful staunch supporter, Shelley, on Twitter that I just want to mention from Durham, who constantly shares our content. And that's really nice. And also recently um, I was on the Let's Talk Social Work podcast for Bazwa and Andy, the host, mentioned Helpful Social Work, which is lovely as well because it helps with our reach. So, yeah, thanks, everyone, for listening and sharing. Absolutely. So, Jerry, Series 6. There is a lot to say on equality and anti-oppressive practice. And over the next year, I mean, and that just tells you how much there is to say, it's going to take us a whole year, we'll be looking at the protected characteristics in the Equality Act. Um, I'm just going to read them out. They're age, disability, 
race, sex, religion or belief, sexual orientation, gender reassignment, marriage and civil partnership, pregnancy and maternity. Yeah, so that's a really helpful framework for us to think about um, about those different characteristics, but we'll be talking more broadly as well and thinking about other kind of contextual issues as we go along. And just by way of background, there is a really nice line, direct line from the human rights ethics that social work have to the Equality Act, um, the Equality Act 2010. So social work, as we've, we talk about all the time, is grounded in human rights. And the Universal Declaration of Human Rights, which I have on a tea towel that Joe gave me, which was adopted <laughs> in 1948, starts off by saying the inherent dignity and the equal and inalienable rights of all members of the human family is the foundation of freedom, justice and peace in the world. And the articles in the Universal Declaration were adopted for us over this part of the world in the European Convention of Human Rights. So our Human Rights Act in the UK came in in 1998 incorporates those articles through the European Convention into United Kingdom law and says that so far as it's possible to do so, any laws that we have must be read and given effect in a way which is compatible with the Convention rights. And so that means under our Human Rights Act, we have to have um, kind of, we have to give mind to Article 14, the prohibition of discrimination, which is um, about the enjoyment of all rights and freedoms being secured regardless of characteristics such as sex, race, colour, language, religion, political or other opinion, um, association with a national minority, birth, other status. So with the Equality Act, um, there's an additional link back to that article, Article 14, which says that we're protecting people from discrimination on the basis of particular characteristics and that if you carry out public functions, and largely social work falls into this, then you have to avoid discrimination and also take account of equality, diversity and inclusion in the way that you do things. And if you're in a public authority, you have to also um, eliminate unlawful discrimination and harassment and victimisation and advance the quality of opportunity and foster good relations between people who share a protected characteristic and those who do not. So it's, it's actually very aspirational. It's not just don't do this, but it's also improve things. Um, and that Equality Act applies in Wales, Scotland and England. Of course, we work in England, so we'll be thinking about England particularly. Also, some sections apply in Northern Ireland, though it's a little bit different there. So I think the, the, the line from our ethics through the law into how we actually act in practice um, is really useful to think about because what we're essentially doing in social work is trying to realise that human right declaration of um, upholding people's inherent dignity and freeing people from discrimination. Yeah, I think that's um, a fantastic way to frame this and think about it, Jerry, particularly for me, um, to advance equality of opportunity between people who, protect, who share protected characteristics and those who do not, thinking that as, as public servants, that's actually one of the things that we're called to do. And I think sometimes these kind of the bigger frameworks that um, contain the intentions of why we even exist or why we work can get lost, can't they, in that kind of day-to-day hurly-burly of doing the job. So it's nice to actually step back. It's the why behind the what, isn't it? It is the why behind the what, and it's and it's a lovely a lovely step back here. Um, 
I think for me, you know, there's some nice tools or frameworks around that that make that much easier to think about in terms of how we make this happen on the ground. So if we think about how we consider equality, discrimination, oppression and identity, then there are a different types of um, frames around that can help us with that. Now, we have done a podcast on identity before, Series 4, Podcast 1B, and we did talk about intersectionality in that podcast. But just to highlight again that this is a really useful frame for us when we're trying to understand people's lives and how we can respond to them um, in terms of the framework that you outlined, Jerry. You know, so intersectionality, it attempts to identify how systems of power, interlocking systems of power, impact on those most marginalised in, in, in society. Um, so in social work ethics and practice, we need to recognise and learn and take account of how people's identities are made up of multiple overlapping, intersecting, and sometimes conflicting elements and experiences. It's a very individual thing, isn't it? Um, so you, you want to bring all the evidence and the context to bear, but you really need to be thinking about the person in front of you. Yeah, and think about ourselves as well, actually. I, when I was thinking about intersectionality and kind of how to start to describe this, I was thinking about our position as social workers which actually afford us power. But then I was thinking, well, do other aspects of our identity diminish that or extend it? Because we're made up of many different parts, aren't we? And I think that John Berman's social graces is quite useful here for thinking about the whole ranges of identities, you know, and the graces have really grown over time. Um, and apparently there's currently 15. It started out as nine and now there's 15. And if you listen to them, gender, geography, race, religion, age, ability, appearance, class, culture, ethnicity, education, employment, sexuality, sexual orientation, spirituality, you can see the um, echoes with the protected characteristics as well. Although they, they go a lot further, don't they? And that's one of the things mm. to think about is that the protected characteristics aren't exhaustive. Um, for example, in, in social work, we, we always consider socioeconomic situations mm. that people are in, and those aren't captured in that legal framework, but they come into play in all of those um, areas of people's lives. Yeah, so we, we really want to be understanding the context that people are living in and then the impact of all the different roles and identities they carry within themselves and really start to ask ourselves, which of these identities and roles work to create equality and which of the identities and role bring with them an oppressive weight that can be put on by society or by experience um, or by blocked opportunities. Um, and a good example is that knowing that a woman lives in a sexist society is not enough to understand her experience of sexism. We also need to know her race, her gender, her sexuality, age and class. And then we can begin to understand her unique experience of living in a sexist society. Yeah, and we um, in this podcast, one of the things that I wanted to do was to think about the, the, you know, we've we talked a bit about the why, but think about you know, what is it we're trying to achieve um, here. If we're essentially 
striving to uphold people's inherent dignity and worth and, and, and help people live free from discrimination. What, what are our aims? You know, what are the outcomes that, that we, we look for to get us um, to that point? And so when we're trying to overcome, when we're trying to achieve equality, we're trying to overcome something. Uh, and the Equality Act, I think, is really helpful because it describes uh, a whole sort of spectrum of discrimination that we need to counter. Um, so there's different ways in which people don't live free from discrimination. Um, so there's direct discrimination, uh, which is defined in the Equality Act as being treated differently because of a characteristic. Then there's indirect discrimination, which is where someone's unfairly put into disadvantage because of a policy or practice that appears to apply to everyone. So appears fair, but actually is going to be discriminatory to a particular group for a particular reason. Um, and then there's discrimination by association, which is where you are treated differently because you're associated with someone. Um, so you might not have a particular characteristic, but you're linked to someone who has. And so you're treated discrimination and uh, discriminated you're discriminated against by association. And there's also discrimination by perception, which is where you're discriminated against because people think you have a characteristic. And again, you may or may not have it. So there's there's a lot of different levels and, and behaviours that make up discrimination. It's not as simple as um, what sometimes we, we might reduce things to. You know, there's a very overt act and that's bad and we understand all of that and everything else is is not that so it's kind of okay there's much more nuance and it, also if we think about oppression which is the word that we tend to use in social work alongside discrimination oppression i think has a has an even broader kind of understanding so you're thinking beyond the behaviors and the experiences that people have right now but thinking about the processes of oppression and exclusion. So that would include the historical um, experiences that are carried into the current society. Mm. So it's really about understanding the story behind the discrimination that people encounter now and thinking about well, what's behind that, what are the causes, what's the root um, reasons for those things and dismantling that. Uh, so that's where you kind of go beyond personal behaviour and and even beyond kind of cultural habits and expectations and assumptions um, and behaviours and, and right into how have we set things up, in what historically has led to there being discrimination, indirect discrimination, um, discrimination by association or by perception. And I think when, when you talk about that, Jerry, it brings to mind for me an iceberg um, which is, you know, that you can see the tip of it, um, all the obvious things that you can see that perhaps um, we understand better or that we are more able to see ourselves doing or not see ourselves doing. But underneath is, is just so, so much more context and so much more of the story and so, so, so many more different bits of behaviour, all the scaffolding that goes into holding discriminatory and oppressive practice. Yeah, which we might not and, necessarily realise, yeah. but we can find out about if we go looking. I think that's yeah. that's important to remember, um, the, the responsibility of education of yourself and others 
if you're lucky enough to um for this not to be your daily fight mm. belongs to you yeah is 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 what you're thinking there i guess mm. it's um and i think that's right and it's and it's and there's um what i found for me is that when i started to think about these things and i started to want to read a whole range of materials there is so much out there there's a there's a world of wealth of um generous learning and um opportunities to to immerse yourself um in the kind of um journey of 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 equality yeah there's a lot of really great stuff out there and Bazwa, for example is working on an equality diversity and inclusion um platform and they define them in different ways and I think this is the the whole idea isn't it is that we need to have a language that helps us understand what we're trying to do Mm -hmm. Um, and when they talk about diversity they're talking about achieving representation of different people perspectives and practices Um, yeah and I I love that idea and inclusion diverse people perspective and practices being afforded equitable influence so it's not just about reading about it or thinking about it. It's people having equal seats at tables and equal influence um, and then people having equal opportunities. And we see this when people can actually, when the outcomes are improved. Mm. Um, and yeah, I so think, it's not just about everyone having the same chance, is it? It's about, yeah, it's about the, what happens at the end of it. I was thinking, I always think about that, about going to university. So if we think about um, university in some cases, yes, there's more people from working class going to university. But actually, when we look at the outcomes in terms of um, people being represented in the higher echelons or the high, I don't know what you would call, you know, being represented in the um, kind in of decision making and, and leadership roles. framework, yeah, yeah, of society, actually, that hasn't changed at all. Mm. So yes, we're moving people in the door, but then the other door is still closed. So um, that's that's what that made me think about. Um, and then there's, you know, when we think about equality and equity, mm. You know, equality is about people having the equality of rights and opportunities, but equity means they're able to exercise and realise these. And so for me, equity is the, is the important part of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you use equity as an approach to achieve equality and you provide different responses to people based on their needs and barriers to achieve equality, then you're going to get the the kind of similar outcomes, which is what we're really looking for. Um, and I was reading in, um, there was a report that I was reading about California and they were talking about positive discrimination and there's a real debate there at the moment about whether it's fair to positively discriminate, which is really to use the principles of equity to yeah. make sure. Which would be a much more helpful word to use actually, wouldn't it? Yeah. I think so. I think so. That's what they're saying there is that they're going to apply equity to people so that everyone is able to have that same opportunity. Um, And I thought about this also in terms of um, COVID and children accessing education. So we know that there was a real problem um, because all children were offered lessons online, but we know there was an issue with children not being able to access them 
due to not having computers or, um, yeah. you know, not being able to have that access to the internet. But then when, when um, the council started to give out computers, we found that there was actually more issues, uh, broadband access, not having any space, having multiple siblings trying to work in the same space on the same machine. So there was a real problem getting the equity right. Yeah, there's often layers, aren't there, that you kind of peel back and peel back and find yeah. more to do. I think that's right. It's not always as simple, is it? Oh, here's the issue. Here's the solution. In social work, it's often the layers. Well, it's it goes back to that idea of intersectionality mm. in the person's experience, and you've got to attend to all the different mm. layers. And, and the personal, cultural and structural barrier because the response, oh, a person can take individual action doesn't account for a cultural um, kind of barrier and changing the culture doesn't account for things being set up unfairly yeah. in the structures so you have to work through look, all look, of those look, things look. yeah yeah and I think that's one of the things for me if we think about social work and a particular in particular think about casework we've got to a place where we often just respond on the individual level and so you know, you're seeing an individual, you're trying to work with that individual, you're seeing the next individual, you're trying to work with that individual. And the pace and the demand means that those other issues don't always get the attention, resourcing or time that they need. So, you know, the cultural and structural issues yeah. perhaps don't come to the fore in the same way as the individual ones do. There's another interesting aspect on this, which um, came, came to my notice again through the BAS work, quality, diversity and inclusion work, um, because one of the things that's included in that is this idea that equality isn't just an absolute kind of concept, that there are some things that require further critique. So, for example, um, this is an example given by a colleague of mine, Harry Sewell, equal pay may not be a perfect aim if it requires women to adopt toxic working practices that have already mm. adversely affected men. So there's question about whether we actually want to achieve the same out some same outcomes for people if those outcomes actually aren't good even if they come yeah. with power uh, maybe one of the things that we're also trying to advance is is choice oh. so the the chance to choose which path you want to take uh, and some of the principles that um that have come into Baz's work i think are quite helpful for thinking about social work practice uh, so thinking about equality diversity and inclusion as being part of everything that we do and not just a strand of work and thinking about everyday acts of inclusion as well as the sort of strategic and um, big picture stuff and thinking about um, equity actually so taking positive action rather than just promoting non-discrimination so it's it's a it's a kind of rush towards something not just to move away from something um going beyond what the law says so oh. that's where we're quite clear that the equality act characteristics are helpful but they're not exhaustive uh, so we'd want to think about things like socioeconomic status caring responsibilities alternative lifestyle choices and you know, other reasons that people are discriminated against and um, face barriers and then there's some principles around how you approach this so recognizing that 
there's a real evolution of our thinking and understanding about this and it can be difficult to reach consensus and so a good starting point actually is lived experience um, and being open to a diversity of perspectives within that and that we may well come across conflicts in values and beliefs um, around different aspects of equality and so a way of working through that is to make sure that there are safe spaces where people feel respected and are able to have um, potentially helpful dialogue uh, and that can be quite um, a courageous thing to create um, and, to, and to invite people into and requires us to kind of those people who've got more power and influence to to be to have humility really to leave some of their own needs and perspectives behind to create space for others uh, so and then we, that we also recognize within Baswell another principle is that you might need to be quite innovative in how you go about doing this because essentially what we're trying to do here is change really fun really fundamental thing which is relationships between people and so you, you know what that will look like it, it could be could be very different um, to how things what well, you'd hope it'd be very different from how things are now but you've got to be open to the idea of things being really different mm. um, and you've got to be able to imagine it haven't you jerry that difference yeah so you've got to be able to you've got to there's got to be some articulation hasn't there um about what different would look like and not be fearful of that because yeah. i think change is is quite unsettling and mm. um but it's necessary so we have mm. to approach it with hope i think yes and i think that's right it, it is entirely necessary and and something that you know it is it is that idea of of us of us all being in the same space together and that's again like people with you know, like like me in some spaces where i would feel uncomfortable letting go of my privilege of being comfortable usually mm. and and just embracing being uncomfortable because you know that's yeah that's part of the yeah. work it asks us to be mindful of the experience of others as well as our own doesn't it and and that can be difficult in environments where there's lots of strong negative emotions around. I'm thinking about, you know, as a social work practitioner, we can get caught up in our own feelings, our need for safety or acknowledgement. And so our own sense of identity and value can become compromised and entangled in all of this, I think. So we do need to be able to sit with those difficult feelings well and be curious about them and keep being open, as you've said. And for me, the other big thing here is we can miscalibrate the power we carry in our role as opposed to how much power we feel or use as an individual. So that role of social worker for many people has a huge meaning of oppression behind it. And even if that's not our intention or our actions, we do need to be able to understand that power imbalance and, and kind of take that on, take it on as our responsibility, because we can unwittingly be the conduit for someone to experience inequality or oppression through our role Um and, and I do think we need to be looking for that. And I'm thinking particularly, you know, um, if we think about Australia, when I was practising there, which is a, a considerable time ago now, it's over 20 years ago, so I, I can't speak about current practice, 
But I do know when I was practicing there for the Aboriginal people, being involved with social work was there was a terrible power imbalance regardless of how you were approaching it because it was very close to the time where social workers were part of the system that removed children um, simply because they had mixed blood. So they were they had white um, and Aboriginal parentage. So you can see how that oppressiveness came with the with the role and the title. So I think thinking about that stuff leads me to think about our language and our demeanour and how we take responsibility for our actions in each situation and trying always to think what is what is the other person seeing and hearing and experiencing. Yeah. And as we talk about this, I'm kind of really conscious again that we're talking from a position of having a lot of power. Um, mm. And so one of the things kind of that's coming across from the last little bit that we've talked about is the the difficulty of laying that down. But for other people, they don't have it. Um, mm. and, the, and, the, and the need is for them to pick it up. And yes. so it's it's very different for people in different positions. And it's, it's difficult for us, obviously, to, to speak for anyone else um, mm. um but that's where and, again and where I, I like think identity idea. and intersectionality can help think through yeah. who you are where you are what you need and, and 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 what do others around you need and i like that idea of of supporting people to pick up their power because i do think that that's one of the critical things that we should be doing in social work is all the time thinking about opportunities to genuinely empower others and support people to take the power that they need to be able to make the moves in their life and to and to carry that power alongside them when perhaps they can't lift it all. So one thing that also really helps us is an overall sort of framing of equality and equity as something that is beneficial to everybody that if we uphold the dignity of each person then we're all we all have our dignity upheld so that kind of gives us heart to, to work through complex and nuanced things not because we're kind of doing someone a favor to engage mm. but because it's better for everyone that we do have these conversations and we don't just leave things because um, i think there is a temptation to to either push through stuff or to to, lead, to move away from it when actually um, if we understand it as beneficial collaborative work that might give us more or different motivation sometimes and that's and that's hard work to do isn't it Jerry and and for me the kind of things that can can help with that um, good supervision is 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 really essential when we're trying to think about difference and power and equality and how we can make that good difference so you know we have a tremendous power and mandate um, but we have that mandate for upholding human rights equality and equity in practice and so we really need to kind of square that with the systems we work in because I think a lot of the systems we work in encourage pace and task turnaround and they don't always leave as much space for reflecting on our value base and our ethics. So for me, one of the things that can help us is looking for opportunities to learn about 
ethics and values, equality and equity and how to make them meaningful and widening discussions about people to include the social graces, to be curious about their context and think about how different identities intersect for them. Also, finding a mentor who's able to guide your thinking through complex situations so that it's not just um, that supervision about your work, but it's actually having someone who you talk about your practice with, um, which is bigger than your work, if that makes sense. That that kind of the intentionality of your practice um, can be really helpful. And um, for me, it's kind of all about seeing the places and spaces in between the obvious. And uh, one of my colleagues put it, it's like looking at what's happening in the margins. And lastly, emotionally intelligent. I think it's our most important muscle, actually, in the social work working world. We need to use it to help us understand how we use power, what impact that has on others, accept challenge and feeling uncomfortable as, as we learn lessons about how others experience our work and ourselves. And all those things you've talked about, I think, are even more important um, when people are experiencing the very things they're trying to challenge because there isn't a neat split is there between professional and personal life and no. actually our working places are also discriminatory and uh, we know that through evidence and so having people around you um, having allies having support having mentors all of those things are really really vital um, mm -hmm. and it, it, you know sharing the work it's collaborative work isn't it um some people at some times will feel more able to do more or less of this mm. and we just need to be really thoughtful about about our peers and our colleagues and i think for me because just in case it didn't come across clearly and, and i'm just kind of thinking oh did i make that come across or not there are social workers who are experiencing discrimination there's 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 many of them um, who experience that in their day-to-day -day life and, as you say, in their working life as well. So it's not as if we don't have protected characteristics as well. Of course, yeah. of, of course we do. Of course people do. And, we, and you know, so, we're, so we're not exempt from that just because of our profession, actually. Um, I think it and, is worth highlighting that, Joe. Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, I think it's yeah. – um, we don't want it just to be implicit. We want it to be explicit in the things that we're talking about, yeah. Yes, yeah, absolutely. So in terms of what's in our toolkit then, um, I mean, I think, you know, there's, we always go back to the code of ethics, um, capabilities that we have. Um, social workers are sort of well experienced and helped, you know, through their practice to become, and they're learning to become expert in this kind of work. Um, but it is collaborative work. It's not individual work. It's it, it needs people around you um, and it really needs evidence um, evidence from kind of research from data and also from experience um, from you know, people's stories and evidence-informed theory to help us understand really why people behave in the ways that they do and how we can support people to change um, to, uh, you know, whether that's about somebody having um, a change in their opportunities or whether it's a change in the culture or it's a change in the structures um, so, you know, social work isn't just about good intentions and, and ideals at all. It's it's informed by a really sound theoretical and research base. And we'll, we'll talk about that around each of the areas that we explore. Um, and I think the other thing that's worth mentioning here is is something we've talked about 
quite recently, I forget in which podcast, about the importance of different um, knowledges. So the International Federation of Social Work says that social work is underpinned by theories of social work, social sciences, humanities and indigenous knowledge. So we have a range of perspectives, viewpoints, understandings and um, and you know, sound information to draw on. Yeah, and that was one of the things that I w was wanting to say is that, um, you know, really deciding to think about different types of knowledge and different ways of knowing, you know, really widen your circle, who and what are you listening to and paying attention to? You know, how can you broaden your outlook and include other voices and views that wouldn't normally come your way? Um, and it can start with something as simple as reading articles written by people from other countries. And I've kind of been thinking about this a lot since I've been following the International Federation of Social Work and I've gone to some of their um, training events and things like that. Because when I was studying social work, and once again, I am reaching back into the midst of time, but I was always told to be really careful about where evidence came from and not to mistake learning as something that could be easily transferred out of its context. And how I took that was a kind of when I went to research and write something, I would often turn on my UK filter or my Australian filter and I would privilege homegrown learning over that from other countries because I thought that that would be the best learning to apply for what I wanted. Did that make Does that make sense? Mm. And so what I what I've done since is I subscribe to academia and you get documents from all over the world and from different professions and they're actually not all transferable but they really widen your lens so they give you a really rich um, way of learning of extending your area of interest and expertise you know so to go to places and spaces that you wouldn't normally go to to try new things or new ways of working that don't fit with you can be really helpful. Mm. Um, and the last thing that I would say is have an uncomfortable conversation and survive it. Mm. Help it let you thrive and help it let you kind of um, fix your intentionality to go on working in a way that is anti-discriminatory and anti-oppressive. I think that's really important as well. So I guess over the next nine the next nine episodes of this series we're going to be thinking about anti-oppressive practice and tackling kind of personal cultural and structural barriers in ourselves as well as in others and in our profession as well as outside of it. Uh, we'll mm -hmm. keep coming back to intersectionality. Um, so although we'll be looking at particular characteristics, we'll be thinking about how they intersect and thinking about identity and different ways of understanding how we work relationally um, and what the social work role looks like within that. And I, I did just want to mention again the International Federation of Social Work theme for World Social Work Day, Ubuntu, which is um, translated as I am because we are, we are because I am. So that idea of common humanity, which goes back to what I was saying about framing all of this, see why the why of it, why do we do this? Well, because there is a, a shared endeavour to uphold each other's dignity. And, and mm. when one person um, is undermined or marginalised or pushed out, then we all um, we're all part of that. That that impacts on all of us, um, and and we we preserve our own kind of dignity through preserving other people's. Mm. 
it's that real connectivity that's between all of us, isn't it, um, that we need to be thinking about the whole time. And, you know, we say that we're in this role. A lot of people say when you ask them what, why they want to be a social worker, because we want to help people. Well, this is kind of actually what we mean. We do want to find a way that all people can, you know, live lives that they will value and flourish in. And, and so this is kind of the idea behind it. Yeah, so we will work our way through this and no doubt we'll make mistakes along the way. And actually, even yes. now, as I cast my mind back over this podcast, there's likely to be things that I would have wished I'd said differently. Um, and assumptions like, you know, that, that kind of assumption that social workers don't face discrimination, which, which like I said, was was not in my intention, but because we didn't make it explicit. Yeah. Um, so yeah. we'll... we'll You'll, you'll notice us learning as we go, I hope. Um, yes. And we'll do our best with these conversations. And actually, I think um, I've, I think a reflective point that I might want to, or two reflective questions I, I might want to put forward then about discomfort or being uncomfortable. Um, so depending on where you are or what's happening for you, a question might that might be useful might be, how should I or could I make myself uncomfortable? in order to further equality but for some others um, other people in different situations um, right now a, a question might be how can I find support to be more comfortable yeah or less uncomfortable um, and and also how can I lay down power and how can I pick up power I think that's what I've taken away from it as well 